welcome back to the Line to Mastery. This episode is a really special one. We are joined by Trenton Merrill. Trenton's life is one of overcoming adversity, rising to the occasion, putting in the work, being of service, and just such a beautiful commitment to God and the divine. When Trenton was 14, he had to have his right foot amputated after being struck by a car while on his dirt bike. From there, after healing, he would later go on to compete in various sports growing up after his accident, eventually getting into track and field, and then beginning to compete at the Paralympic Games. At the time of recording this podcast back in early October, Trenton had just finished competing in Tokyo, where he placed third at the long jump. In this episode, we riff on his experience with his accident and the blessings that that ended up rippling and creating into his life his connection with God, performing at the highest level, overcoming adversity, and positively impacting others with your story, and so, so much more. This is a potent podcast, a beautiful conversation, and just such an incredible opportunity for me to learn from an Olympic-level athlete, as well as gain a brother at the same time. So thank you again, Trenton, for coming on the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. May it bring you as much joy as it did me to record. Much love. This podcast is brought to you by my business, The Athletic Performance Accelerator. If you are an athlete, a musician, a performer, an artist, a creative, an entrepreneur, or even a competitor, The Athletic Performance Accelerator is the tool for you to elevate your game to the next level. We have been honored to serve over 10 athletes and performers within the Athletic Performance Accelerator with many more to come and great results coming from those athletes and performers that have been through the program. Our specialty is redefining your limitations, breaking through old patterns and beliefs to achieve new states of performance with tools that allow you to reprogram your subconscious mind to begin perceiving yourself in your fullest potential, tools that allow you to regulate your nervous system and rev yourself up when it's time to perform and slow yourself down when it's best to be relaxed and dialing in your ability to release self-doubt and insecurity so you can stop comparing yourself to others and let go of the questioning of if you are doing or being enough. I've seen in my work that most athletes and performers are used to dialing in their physical training yet neglect to train their mind and their soul. The APA solves those issues by offering the tools to dial in mindset connection with your soul, and to achieve greater states of flow. So after helping over 10 athletes and high-level performers learn these tools and elevate their game, I'm filled with joy to invite you to come into this program to work with us. We are opening more spots right now to work one-on-one, so you can shoot me a direct message on Instagram to apply and book a call. On the call, we will cover what the Athletic Performance Accelerator can support you with, the investment, and all the other logistics around what will work best for you. So shoot me a message, we can riff and drop in, and without further ado, enjoy this episode with Trenton Merrill. Hey, Cam, how are you doing? Excellent, Trenton. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Just working away, man, on the grind. Grind never stops, dude. You know. Dude, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I, um, I've been working on this, like, public speech around redefining your limitations and just like alchemizing three lessons that I've learned from walking in the sky with the sport of like slack mining and highlining. And I've just been like getting reps in. So I've done that three times today already. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, 
thank you so much for your time and your energy, bro, and uh, for your willingness to come on the podcast. Absolutely, dude. I think this is, uh, for me, I look at it as a great opportunity to get better at speaking and sharing my story. So I think it's a cool opportunity. Thanks for having me and wanting me. Dude, of course. Yeah. Have you thought about having your own podcast? I have. I actually, in 2016, I that's when I started like building a desire to uh, want to have my own podcast. I think for me, it's just like, what would I want to focus on and talk about? And I think that's uh, what I'm waiting for right now is, is the specific theme and then potentially someone to do with. Mm, yeah nice so you're thinking about like double dipping kind of having a co-host with it yeah and i've talked to a few friends and there's definitely some people that we would we would kill a podcast and again it's kind of like one of those things like uh like what would we want our theme to be about and i think it's important or at least me i value uh podcasts to have a specific theme when you go to that podcast you listen to them you you already have an expectation of what you're going to listen to. So uh, that's kind of like where I'm leaving off right now. Um, and I actually talked to a couple of buddies. Uh, I had like a get get together when I got back from Tokyo and how we ended up like recording on my phone because the conversations were just flowing and we we're, we we're uh, smoking some stogies in the backyard and having some drinks and we were just, the conversation was great. And so we just started recording it, you know, and, um, who knows dude that could have been the start right then there yeah i mean that's the thing with a podcast like oftentimes it's just a conversation with a microphone recording what's happening and um you know it's something special that i don't think a lot of people realize there's a flow state that happens if you just get out of your own way and you just drop into that conversation and you're absolutely present with it it's really it's really special and like when I first started the podcast, so I called it the line to mastery because I just wanted to use this tool as a way to master myself and start to feel comfortable using my voice because I felt like growing up, there were a lot of people um, just telling me that like, it was best to stay silent and to like yeah. not articulate myself and not, yeah. not to speak up for myself. So I, I like use this as a tool to unlearn that. And, and now it's just been like this wonderful way for me to connect with high level human beings like yourself and to drop into these powerful conversations. And it was really about like, who do I get to become in the process of doing this thing? Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been sick. Well, it feels like we're just going to dive into it. So Let's welcome do it. to the line to mastery brother. And, uh, yeah, it's cool, man. Like at the time that I reached out to you before you went out to Tokyo, I was just like in the process of connecting with athletes because I had just created this program called the Athletic Performance Accelerator. And it didn't feel like you were the right fit for the program, but it felt like you were the right fit to be like someone in my life and to connect with. And we scheduled the date and now here we are. So thanks for coming here on. Here we man. are. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of my audience aren't going to know who you are and what you do um and they're not going to know your story so let's say you just finished a full day of training you've been in flow all fucking day someone comes up to you and they ask you who you are and what do you do <laughs> well i tell them um i'm just a human you know i'm a man of god and 
I'm on this uh, this journey called life, just like everybody else. And some things that I chose to focus on is athletics and self-development and finances. And uh, I'm currently excelling in athletics. I'm on the Paralympic, U.S. Paralympic track and field team. Um, and they'd probably, if they saw me, they'd probably ask about my leg. I'm missing my right foot. I would tell them that when I was 14 years old, I was hit by a car and my foot was crushed. And I thought my dreams of becoming a professional athlete were taken away from me, but God had other plans. And a few years down the road, I found out about Paralympics and uh, saw that my, my hopes and dreams were still possible and uh, essentially just gave it everything I got. And now I'm a U.S. Paralympian and uh, or a two-time Paralympian and one-time medalist. And uh, yeah, I'm, that's who, that's a little bit about me. Beautiful, man. Yeah. So prior to dropping into this conversation, I actually spent like the past 30 minutes just like watching YouTube videos on you. And I, yeah, dude, just really inspired. Um, we, we share a common theme and like we've both been hit by cars while biking. Oh, nuts. Yeah. So I ended up getting hit by a car when I was 19 um and i just like flipped over the car the worst that i got was like this scar right here on my head from it so i was super lucky um didn't know yeah. it happened until right afterwards they hit me from behind so it was like I, I went from biking to not biking and just being really confused as to what happened yeah and and yeah so when i heard that part of your story i was like damn that's no joke but like something that really struck me is that when you were in the hospital, you had a conversation with God, it seemed like, and God was like, I have bigger things set out for you. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, he did. So uh, let's see. So I was in the hospital for about a month and a half, and I, I thought I was just going to have a cast when I left the hospital. It was my first broken bone. I knew that my foot was crushed, but I didn't know that it had to be amputated, and it seemed like everybody else my family and friends, including, knew that it had to go, except for me. And when the doctor finally, he came in and he performed a test where he had a scalp on his hand, but he had it behind his back. And he said, Trent, I'm going to perform a test on the bottom of your foot. And at this time, I had, like, lost all feeling in my foot. My toes were, like, black, like, getting gangrene. Like, they were, they were gnarly. They were looking like black shriveled up carrots. It was crazy. <laughs> so he... He essentially comes in. He's like, hey, Trent, like, how's your foot? And I was like, uh, you know, it is what it is. And he's like, can you try and wiggle your toes? And I was trying. I was like barely moving like one. And then he's like, all right, I'm perform a test for you. Like, and he showed me a pencil. He's like, I'm running on the bottom of your foot. And I want you to tell me if you can feel it. And so we did it. And I was like, no, I don't feel anything. And then he's like, Trent, I didn't use a pencil. I used a scalpel. I was like, oh, gosh. And so he, he like, then he took my mom and he brought her outside. And I could see like through the small window of the hospital door, my mom just bawling, crying. And I was like, I just knew exactly what it meant. And so I started crying because then all of a sudden I just realized that my foot's going to be gone. My whole world just changed. Uh, my future of athletics and my mind was completely uncertain. I didn't know what was going to come or happen. And my friend's mom came in. She just started praying over me. And I just started praying with her. I was still crying. And then all of a sudden I felt this like, peace of the Holy Spirit just come upon me and I just heard God's voice and he just told me that he had great plans for me and then I was just 
I was just calm. And I was like, in my mind, I, I was like talking to God, like, man, I, this is what I needed to hear. Like, I have nothing else to lean on. Like, I, I don't like, there's so much uncertainty and there's so much hope that I felt was lost that this is exactly what I needed to hear. And, and I just, I've held on to that word through the hardest times of my life. And I've remembered it through the greatest times of my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So I would love to dive a little bit deeper into like your relationship with God and like how you practice communicating with God and how that's evolved over the course of your life from, uh, you know, from the very beginning to where you were when you were 14 and had your foot crushed to where you are now today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you want me to, where would you like me to start? Wherever you feel called. Cool. Uh, so my parents, like growing up, they taught me to pray at night. My dad didn't believe. My mom did believe. And then essentially she had a conversation with my dad saying, listen, me and my sons, we're going to go to heaven if, if we die. And it's your choice whether you want to come with us or not. And so he <laughs> ended up coming with all of us and we were going to Saddleback Church in Orange County. So that was my first uh, experience of a church. And then I was put in a private school around well, around that same time, like kindergarten and first grade. And it was a Catholic private school. So I was starting to become familiar with uh, Catholicism and church. And then same with second grade. Then I went to public school. But my parents uh, would put me in like Christian camps in summer. And so honestly, like over time was where I, I was like my relationship was just a slow and gradual one, you know, with, with maybe like, it was, it was like a relative that you just uh, came to maybe understand or, or knew um, when certain events would happen or when like uh, I would get scared or something and I would pray and ask for, ask God for help. And he would, he would answer the prayer. And, and then later on in my life, like my freshman year of high school, that's when I started reading the Bible for the first time because it was required was going to a Catholic high school and we're reading like through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I was starting to understand who Jesus was. And then that spring break, my freshman year, or back up a little bit, I started going to church with my friend, Scott, too. He was also on the dirt bike with me. He's, he's my best friend. He's been my best friend since and still is. And he, his mom and dad, his dad singing in like the choir at church. And then his mom was just like in charge of keeping all of us from raising havoc in church. And, uh, I started going to church with them and I started learning more. And so there was a, there was a big growth that was happening right before my accident, my freshman year. And then when it happened, I remember being in the hospital with my foot crushed and thinking in my mind that everything is going to be okay. Cause I just, I had this faith that that God was going to take care of it. And then I was really challenged with it when I found out that my foot was going to be amputated, but that's when God came in and he reassured me. And then, you know, it was just kind of like, give it time. You know, I started seeing him move. Um, when I first found out about Paralympics, which was four years later after, or five years later after the accident. And then from there, I wanted to know, like, where was I going to go after, like, community college? I was in community college and 
wasn't sure where to go and was just praying about it. And then he opened the doors to go to Boulder <clears throat> and Whoa, I started really? just, yeah. Cool. That's where I'm at right now. Nice dude. Yeah. I went there for a year. And then, um, when I was there though, it was crazy. Cause I was, I, uh, I knew they had a, a snowboard team and I was, I was also training in, um, or I was growing in my love for snowboarding and I found out they had a Paralympic border cross team. So I, uh, I was like, cool, I can go there. And then I had emailed the track coach, said I could go and train with their team. But when I got there, essentially like the track team thought I was a liability because of my prosthetic. Um, I ended up not having much fun training with the snowboard team because all my friends were back in Orange County and I just enjoyed snowboarding with my friends. And so I like had a time where I was with God. I was like, dude, like what is going on? Like, I thought you like kind of pointed me in this direction and led me here. And what I had realized was while I was in Boulder, I went through a huge party phase my first semester, <clears throat> second semester, cleaned up my act and I was meeting, I was, hold on a sec. My dog's got a little bone out making too much noise right now, bud. So I ended up meeting with this like pastor and we would meet every morning at 5 a.m. before the sun rose and he was teaching me scripture. And so for me, I was learning a ton about uh, God because I was reading the Bible and I was learning about uh, Old Testament, New Testament. And it was a big growth phase for me. And then it was kind of like a test of faith. Like, do you really want to do track and field? <clears throat> like, how bad do you want it? And um, for me, I, I, I wanted it so bad that I just started training on my own when I was in Boulder. And then I was started looking at teams to transfer to and, uh, God moved in like a radical way where I was praying to go to another school because I want to be on a team. And he had, uh, essentially like given me three different signs to go to Azusa Pacific university all within a, a short amount of time. And then when I had emailed the coach, he got back to me within a few days and I had already sent emails to other schools and I was still waiting on responses weeks to months later. And he got back to me really, really quickly. So for me, that was like, Whoa, God. All right. Again, I see your hand. Like when you tell me to go somewhere, like you make it happen super fast. And so that started becoming a theme in my life. Like when God would move me places, everything aligned up like at a perfect timing. And it happened so fast that I knew it would be God because it, it was in a matter of time where I wouldn't have been able to control that or do that at my own speed. So I've been able to like grow my relationship with him because I, I started recognizing how he was moving in my life. And um, it's kind of just been more, more like that. And then uh, more like tests of like really hard circumstances happening in my life where you're like, what is going on? And then you just like look to God and you're like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but you're, if you're with me, dude, then I can do it. And and I believe that like, once again, when you told me in the hospital that, that, that hasn't gone away, that hasn't changed. And he's just been faithful. And it's just been like a, a like growth process like this. Like for me, I'm like, I'm a sinner, dude. I'm like a stock market going up and down, <laughs> but it's like going like this, you know, overall, when you look at the big picture and so that's, that's kind of like a little, like, uh, I guess like a snap of, of how I've been growing in my relationship with God. Yeah. So what is your, what does your daily connection look like with God and the divine? 
Right. So that's a great question. My daily connection, it, when I was, let's see, I had hit a low point one time at, at Azusa Pacific University. I wasn't happy with myself or my goals where I was at in life. Like athletically, I had wanted to be farther um, along and uh, I just reached out to God and was just asking for help. And I started reading my Bible every day. And then since then, I have kept up with it. And I started in 2000, like end of 14, beginning of 15, I started an annual plan of reading the Bible all the way through. And I, I just didn't stop. So every year I read the Bible all the way through and, and I have a daily reading schedule. So for me, that <clears throat> that's the first thing in the morning. Um, when I get up after I, you know, I have some water and stuff and wake up a little bit, drink some coffee and I try to retain scripture and like, let it speak to me. And then I'll journal and I'll, I'll talk and pray with God. And, and for me, that has become an essential piece or cornerstone in my life. And on the days that I'm not able to get around to it in the morning, cause life happens, those are like usually harder days for me. And I can identify that either like I'm more irritable or like, or just something feels off, you know? And I'm like, okay, dude, like I need to connect with God. I need to connect with my creator. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm not happy or something, something's off, you know, like, I don't like the the frequency that I'm feeling in my mind or whatever it is. And so for me, that's, that's a central piece that has been a daily thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I connect with that a lot. Like <clears throat> for me, my relationship with God isn't so structured as in like one specific religion. It's more of like a personal relationship through nature and just like seeing the divinity and everything. Um, and, and the way that I practice that on a daily is like, I have a sacred space. I have an altar that I go to and I connect with, and like, that's the, that's where I connect with like the highest version of myself. That's where I connect with like the divine, the creator. And just like you said, like the days that I don't do that, or like I miss it in the morning, like completely different than when I do it's, it's like, I don't know if you've what your, what your practice is when it comes to like connecting with technology in the morning. But if I like look at my phone and like get these dopamine rushes or these notifications or like scroll on Instagram to start the day, very different day than if I like give it a few hours before I even touch my phone. Yeah. 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 That's uh, it's true, dude. Um, I think it was Jim quick was saying that if you instantly if you go on Instagram, you get all these notifications and uh, you're scrolling and stuff. It teaches your brain to get distracted a lot faster. And the funny thing this morning, I've been super productive today. And I found myself like uh, just by habit of like pulling up Instagram. And before it even loads, I'm like, whoa, dude. And I like just scroll it off and I like take it off because I know that I'm going to get stuck for a little bit, excuse me, and get distracted. And so I've been catching myself today because I'm coming off of a weekend, you know, like I, I usually I let myself rest a little more. So I don't have, uh, I don't have as much to do, but today I'm like, no, nah, I got to grind. I don't have time for this right now. I can check it later. No one on Instagram is going anywhere. I can check out on their posts, you know, their stories later. Um, but it's, it's interesting how it's like a, it's almost like a trap, you know, like it keeps you in here for a little bit locked in because all this excitement. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, for sure. And what so what's useful is all right. So today is October fourth. For those that are listening, we're recording it on this Monday, and the whole Facebook ecosystem, like the DNS, is completely down. So like Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, you can even use them because they're like shut off for the time being. Dude, is that that's what's going on today? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's why my like it wouldn't upload on the page, and I was like, cool, I'm not going on like. Interesting. Okay. I thought it was like update or something needed. Yeah. For whatever reason, their whole ecosystem is down. And uh, yeah, I was like slightly concerned that this would end up following, like falling through because we weren't able to communicate beforehand, but thankfully the zoom link and like we, we scheduled this in advance. So it was all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I would, I would love to kind of like circle back towards your whole story and like, the pivot that happened after you ended up like having your, your foot amputated and then just like the different pathways of athletics that you ended up going down. So like looking at your bio on your website, something that really called out to me because I'm really interested in it is like you ended up taking a wrestling and MMA path for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What did, what did that look like? Dude, it was awesome. Um, for me, I wanted to learn how to fight because I was experiencing bullying in school and I wanted more self-confidence. And now having a prosthetic, I I want to learn how to use it. And for me, like it ended up becoming something that I could use to my advantage that I didn't know about until I started training. And I just started, I found like interviewed a couple of gyms, went to them, and then I found one that both my brother and I liked. And then we just went all in and we're going like every day of the week and we're going to boxing, Muay Thai and jujitsu. And then we were both wrestling in high school as well. And we decided, well, I'm older than him. So I decided to wrestle because I saw that like when I was watching UFC, I was like, dude, some of these wrestlers like Matt Hughes, like are just so good at ground game. And for me, I was like, this would elevate my MMA skills. And I had always wanted to wrestle in high school because I was naturally good at wrestling when I was growing up. And when I had got to high school, my freshman through sophomore year, uh, the school that I was at was a brand new private school. They didn't have wrestling. And and the only eligible teacher that would have been qualified to coach didn't want to coach wrestling. He only wanted to coach lacrosse. And so for me, I didn't get into it until my senior year. But I had started in May my junior year, and I, I fell in love with it. And then my senior year, I got into wrestling. And one of the things that I, I loved about it was how hard the workouts were. Everybody's going – like, everybody – we were stuck in a portable. And so doors were closed. Uh, there was, a, like, mirrors on one side. They all became foggy. People wearing, like, sweatsuits, sometimes cut weight. Weren't allowed to open the doors unless you had to throw up, essentially. And I just loved the grind, dude. And I, for me, I felt that uh, I was like, I I don't know. There's something in me that was like, dude, I, I love this like gritty feeling. And like in high school, when I had a prosthetic, I just, I, I realized that I was at a disadvantage having a prosthetic and I fed off of working out harder than other people. I, I, loved knowing that like everything we did i'm gonna do another workout or two on top of it and for me that was just continuing to build my confidence i started seeing my body transform 
uh, later on in high school. And it was just such a cool experience. And, and it really paved the way for when I got in track and field because we had, you'd have to go through a lot of hard workouts. And I, I was like, man, you guys, you guys haven't experienced what I have. So mm-hmm. it, it became a lot, um, like the workouts are still hard and, and the workouts didn't become easier, but mentally it was easier for me to push through where other people would complain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a different type of grind that comes with wrestling that until you end up doing it, you just don't know. And I feel like there's a massive yeah. mental advantage that comes with that. So you just mentioned two things. You mentioned that in some ways you're, um, prosthetic was a disadvantage, but then you also mentioned that your yeah. prosthetic with MMA and, and wrestling was an advantage. So where did you find that it wasn't, it, it was an advantage. So the advantage was when I was in Muay Thai. Um, cause once I learned how to kick with it, it was like kicking with a bat, you know, and I would TKO guys and sparring and not realize like the effect or how powerful it was kicking with that foot. And so that was like a clear advantage to me. I was like, wow, dude, this thing is actually, uh, like, this is like a, my secret weapon, dude, this is crazy. And then like in jujitsu and wrestling, it was actually a lot harder. And I know it was uncomfortable for a lot of guys that would, uh, roll with me in jujitsu, having to, um, like feel a prosthetic, Cause it's just carbon fiber, you know, it's very hard. Or I used to have like carbon fiber socket with a metal pylon. So let me try and switch the camera around. This is what it looks like right now, right here. But I used to have this socket and then like a metal pylon that used to connect to a foot since then feet have advanced. And this is all carbon fiber. So it's a bigger spring, bigger lever. But when I used to have it, it was just socket and then metal pylon. So you can imagine getting hit with a metal pylon or the socket or the end of the toe uh, is a lot more painful than um, potentially, you know, uh, a shin. Yeah, for so, sure. That seems like it would hurt a lot. It would, yeah. And, like, when I've accidentally, like, kicked myself, like, playing other sports and stuff, it hurts really bad. Um, so I uh, I just saw that as, like, okay, cool. This is this is something I have. And, and it became something, like, where Bruce Lee – had said I would rather master or what was it do one kick a thousand times and master it than a thousand kicks one time and not master it, you know? So I became like more and more understanding of like, how do I maximize my body and in, in what I have? Mm-hmm. So it, I, I watched the GoPro video and there was a lot of film that, looks like it came from your childhood and it seemed like your dad had a camera around a lot just like filming you guys and it seems like he has been one of the best influences and support systems in your life so what has that relationship looked like growing up and what's it like now yeah so I mean growing up there was ups and downs as I was going through teens and stuff and um, I think that most people probably experience that but I love my dad. For me, he set a good example of work ethic. And the other thing too, he was the most ripped dad I I knew. All my friends' dads were like, they just didn't compare to him. So I I looked up to him a lot because he was always in shape and he's shredded and um like he he was able to go grind and, and work hard and then also maintain good health and fitness 
Um, one of the things that I really appreciated about like his story is growing up from like a poor background and then making it out and becoming very successful. So for me, like hearing that and, and understanding that and, and like seeing where he came from and like going and visiting my grandparents and uh, like um, just understanding his story and the things that he went through allowed me to um, kind of pick up on that too. And, and uh, like when, you know, losing my foot, I just was like, okay, well, you know, my dad has, has been through hard stuff too. Like I can get through this as well. And so he's, he's definitely been a great example. And for me, I grew in my relationship with him as I became more mature. When I was more immature, I, you know, I wanted to argue or not listen or, um, wasn't as good at communicating either. Um, I, I took more friends advice than maybe parents advice. I was living more in the moment. And as I got older, then I started talking to him and asking more for his advice and leaning on that as well. So our relationship been pretty good. Um, and, uh, we're at a good place right now. So it's been really cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Man, I've noticed the same thing with my own, like dad, just growing up, it's, it's kind of difficult to like really listen to what your parents have to say because they've been around for so long and you don't see yeah. value in it. And maybe they don't fully respect you quite as an individual yet. And I think there also comes like you starting to understand yourself as an individual. But what I'm getting at is like, I've noticed my relationship with my parents be way better as I've matured and gotten older and moved out of the house. And I really started to establish myself and kind of see what life is like uh, beyond the household. Yeah. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I, uh, that's, that's a great point. Like um, parents respecting individuality. And I, I know that's one thing that um, both my brother and myself struggled with my dad um, in the beginning because he had wanted us to like, go a certain route in life. Um, like for, for me, he wanted me to study business in college and hindsight, like looking at it now, I'm like, yeah, that actually would have been really great, <laughs> but I wasn't interested in it at the time. And, um, you know, it was like, I was studying, uh, exercise science because I, I had this goal in mind for career in athletics. And I saw that as an advantage to study. And for my brother, he wanted him to go to school and he, became really really good at special effects in high school um and he he had such an, a niche in there that uh he couldn't go to school to learn what he he needs to learn like he has already like surpassed uh he surpassed like his his high school teacher um in editing and while he was in high school and uh so after that he was like already working and like now he's working for FX and so it's, uh, I think once my dad saw that this is who we were and we started succeeding in it, he was, he was a lot less uh, prone to tell us that we were either making a mistake or that we should, should have, could have, would have, or should be doing something else, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So I'm curious, like day to day, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages when it comes to like having a prosthetic? Man, uh, the advantages. So most people probably wouldn't wouldn't pick up on this, but the advantages for me being an athlete, um, maybe even specifically being 
like a long jumper or a sprinter is I can change my foot stiffness by putting on a different prosthetic, you know? So that is an advantage. Whereas like, like my left side though, like my left side, if my foot hurts or breaks, then I got to rest it. But my right side, if my foot, my carbon fiber breaks or something, I can replace it. So there's an advantage having my prosthetic, like as far as being able to replace things, um, the disadvantages having finding a good socket that fits because it's a rigid system um how it attaches to there's different ways it attaches but there's no best way like they all have some disadvantage or advantage um and everyone that has a prosthetic socket is going to get some issues with with uh, either pain um or blisters from chafing or um like um hair follicles getting irritated because like a little rubbing on there um, or pressure points. So that I would say is probably one of the biggest disadvantages is how it, how the socket attaches and the comfort in it. And it can be really hard to find a good prosthetist to make a socket that'll fit and last for a long time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So in, in watching some of your videos, like even though you've been through hardships, you still like you still grind, you still show up for the work, you still have the mindset of like, I want to be the best in the world in my discipline. So how have you really honed in that mindset, continue to work on it, and then taken that as a tool to overcome obstacles that come up in your life? So I honed it by taking out all of the distractions for a set period of time. I, I decided to go to, you know, take a, take a leap of faith and, and go all in really when I, right towards the end of my uh, college semester and my college supported me and they allowed me to take everything, like finish my last upper division classes online. Um, but for me, I, I wanted to go all in. I, I just was so passionate. That's kind of what drew, drove everything was the passion inside of me. So it, it wasn't easy because it, it meant that I had to like move away from friends and family and, and go to a place where I felt was a better training environment. And it ended up being not only good training environments, but spiritually good training environments and mentally good training environments. And it like that kind of just um, trickled over and in, in, into life really. But when I, when I decided to focus on that, I took out all of the distractions, like even girlfriends. I decided like not to date for a period of time because I wanted to master the skill. I had goals. I wanted to make up my first Paralympic team. And then the second go around, I wanted to medal at the Paralympics. So I decided that anything that wasn't going to help me jump farther, run faster, I was just going to put it to the side and, and wait for a better time, you know, because I knew that the learning curve to get to where I wanted to go, um, was a lot steeper and it was going to take more of me. So I decided to like, uh, essentially just become super disciplined. And then I knew that once I had reached these goals, that the learning curve wouldn't be as sharp. And now I could reintroduce some of these other things into my life that maybe I really enjoyed 
but weren't necessarily uh, going to help that big of a learning curve where I, I felt like I needed to focus on me. So I broke down like my event and what I needed to work on. And I, I broke it down into phases and I trained mentally and then I trained um, physically as well. And then uh, spiritually, I, I continued on my, my journey and my path and just trusted that God was going to take me where he needed me to go. And I felt that the passions inside of me and dreams inside of me are a gift from God. And, and that unless he says no, that's, you know, those are our direction to pursue because we can have massive positive impact on the world. So that's, that's kind of like how I honed in and then how it related to my life was the, I think the discipline factor. And then spiritually as well, like understanding, like, what is, what does this do when I pursue this? What does this create? How does it help other people? And I I saw it as a, as a brand and platform that could reach out and inspire, motivate, and then hopefully in the future, be able to build like a nonprofit to give back. But I, I knew that there had to be a better version of me, a version of me that young amputees would look up to and say, I want to be like Trenton or I want like, I love Trenton's story where it's a story of triumph, you know, and, and multiple trials and continuing to be tested in the furnace and, and having to push your way through and then finally uh, reaching success. So that's, that's what's kind of helped me in, in life outside of athletics because life happens and, and it's not easy for anybody. Everybody's going to go through something hard. Like, one of the things I love uh, that I don't remember the quote word for word, but, um, or who it's from, but uh, it's, it essentially is you, you should never want to trade your closet for somebody else's else's closet. Cause you don't know what is in their closet. And once you realize and you open their closet, like you realize there's a lot of stuff that you don't know how to handle or deal with. And it kind of opens your eyes to like, no one's life is perfect. Everyone's going through something. Everyone's got some baggage in their closet and really only you can handle it. No one can do it for you. And so like, just focus on my own life one step at a time, keep moving forward. And, and I think that athletics learning how to break down phases and mastery has helped me with that. Have you read mastery by Robert Greene? No. I have it. That's a good one around mastery. And it just like, just like you said, breaking down the phases um, of it. And it seems like you really had to get clear as to what you wanted and see like, is this thing serving what I want or is it distracting from what I want? And then you had the opportunity to rise to the occasion, get disciplined, like really take extreme ownership of yourself and like let go of the things that weren't serving who you wanted to become and the impact you wanted to make and how you wanted to show up in the world, knowing that you could always come back to those things. Yeah. But at that point in time, it just, it deterred you from who you felt like you were supposed to show up and be in the world. Um, So I would love to just like, expand further on that and like yeah what is the impact you want to make before your life is said and done yeah dude um real quick i think that one of the things for any listeners uh 
I just want to clarify is that any of the stuff that I was giving up that I felt were distractions weren't necessarily bad things at all. It just, the timing wasn't, wasn't right timing for me. So, um, I thought, you know, I, I really believe that timing is, is everything like in your intuition leads you in that. And just cause it's, uh, not the right time doesn't mean it's, it's a bad thing per se. And it's, it's actually better to put it off and wait for the right time because then everything will happen a lot less effortlessly without having to force things. So that's what I felt. And I felt really driven, um, to pursue those, those goals and stay disciplined. So I want to make sure I, the audience listening, uh, could pick up on that. Um, cause dating's not bad by any means. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you know, like it can be a distraction if it's not quite in the flow and you're focused on something else, especially right. if like the people that you're connecting with might not be in full support of what your mission is and what you're setting out to do. Yeah. I think it's, it's not fair to you or the other person. And, uh, it takes a lot of, uh, um, self awareness maybe to know that and execute it. And then, um, so you want to touch on, let's see. Your manifesto, your legacy, your life is almost done. What is the impact that you've been able to make in the world? So before I die, I, man, yeah, earlier this year, I like had a goal. I was like, well, if I die at the end of the year, this is the things I want to do. And I want to grow, grow closer to Jesus. I wanted to um, positively impact as many people as I could. And I saw that social media was a platform to do that. And then I also saw that um, athletically, there was a combination of me pursuing my goal of meddling at the Paralympic Games was also a way that I could positively impact more people, more outreach. You know, people are going to be watching. There's more viewers. There's more people that haven't heard about me, haven't heard my story. Um, so those are a few. And then like financially, I had wanted to, uh, make wise investment choices so that if I were to pass away, then my family would be better off, at, um, uh, based off of my choices than, uh, had I neglected that. And that still holds true today. Um, you know, before I die, I do want to positively impact as many people as possible. There's more people that I, I want to positively impact. And, and then, uh, through that, I think speaking would be a great way for me to do that. I would like to get more speaking opportunities and get better at speaking, tell my story, and then even just sharing self-development skills and life lessons because I feel like those are invaluable. Like You can't put a price on them, and it, it takes experience um, a lot of times to, to learn them um, and mistakes. So I would, I would like to speak to more people. Um, I think eventually I I would like to mentor, uh, more young men and help, just help guide them, you know, just help be there for them. Um, cause I, I just realized like, you know, how hard it was for me. And when I, when I leaned on my friends, I found that, you know, their wisdom was, was, uh, you know, about as great as mine at the time, just based off our experience you know, age, maturity. So I think it'd be great, uh, to be able to give back to, to men actually of all ages. I don't, I don't think it needs to be limited, but, um, and that could be through the church. Uh, not sure, but I would like to do that. I'd like to continue to learn financially because 
I also, that's another area where I would like to teach and coach people financially. I've had ups and downs uh, financially in business and personal, and I've learned a lot through that. And I'm still learning a lot through that. And I'm, I'm actively learning a lot more on investing. And I, I would love to, I'm going to for sure teach God willing. I have kids. I'm going to for sure teach them at a young age um, about stocks, about real estate um, and cryptocurrency. I'm going to, I'm just going to teach them the value of investing their dollar and putting it to work for them. Um, so that one day they don't have to work a nine to five if they don't want to. So that's, that's something I'm really passionate about. Um, yeah, I think so financially, spiritually, physically, I still want to, I want to work my way up. I got a bronze at the last games in Tokyo and I want to silver the next one and I want to compete for gold. Um, so I, I realistically on the, at the next games, I would like to, I would like to be competing for gold. That's what I would like to do. Um, so I, I haven't, I'm not going to hang up my spikes yet. I know there's a lot more in me, like even competing in Tokyo, how I felt in Tokyo, uh, was, was in my best performance. And I knew that I was capable of performing better. And so for me, I want to learn more mentally and, and so that I can compete and execute to the best of my abilities. And then also I want to help share those, those mental skills. So it's pretty, pretty much a long line, like what I've been doing. And I think it's just going to expand. I just started like modeling and, and, um, doing a little bit of acting. And I think that's just, you know, something cool to, to help increase my brand and marketability. Um, and maybe just have a little fun with right now. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, right now I want to maximize myself. Like that's, that's a goal. And I think that in, in return, when, when any one individual decides to maximize their potential without even realizing it, you indirectly allow other people to do it themselves. And that could be simply like consistency. Like you see the same person in the gym. Um, eventually you guys might strike up a conversation and like, you don't know what impact you have on others through your actions without words. Um, but those can be positive. So I, I really want to maximize myself and I want to help my friends and family and, and strangers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting how like, your own state of being can ripple out and affect another state's person's state of being. It's like the nervous system. Like the more that you're able to calm down your nervous system. And there's a lot of people that have nervous systems where they're like constantly like fired up and triggered in the sympathetic state because they haven't learned anything about down regulating into a parasympathetic state. Um, you simply doing that and calming yourself down allows and gives permission to others to calm themselves down or like to pursue themselves fully. Like you said, you know, mm -hmm. you, by you going out and becoming the best version of yourself, it gives permission to others to do the same that they might yeah. not have permission from those around them um, to offer that. So I would, I would love to hear about your experience within the Olympics and kind of just like how things went in Tokyo Um and, and what some of like the mental difficulties that came up for you and what you feel like is going to fill the gap between 
where you were in Tokyo getting um, bronze and then fast forward four years to where you are in Paris getting gold. Yeah. So in Tokyo, I, you know, I, I had a good time. I was with uh, one of my friends who was an athlete there too. And we were roommates the whole time. And for me, there is, I had to control arousal and I had to control energy because I found myself as well. Like there's some athletes that I was experiencing my energy being drained from. And I had to essentially like be very mindful and put myself in a place where I could recharge. So that became evident to me. And that was something that I had to work through. And then what I did, I created a, a team of people that I could email on a daily basis, sharing everything I was good and bad so that they could uh, pray for me and advise as well. So having that team really helped me. Um, when I was in Tokyo, you know, it was one of those things where I could just like, I needed to focus on what I could control and like everything else outside of that, just let it, you know, be. And so I, like, that was, I think the biggest thing hitting home for me was, uh, stay in my zone, dude, stay in my zone. Um, enjoy this moment. I was made for this. I'm prepared. There's nothing else I can, I can do to make me more prepared. Um, and yeah, like when, if I felt like there was times where I felt alone in Tokyo, which is weird. Like sometimes you could be around a ton of people, but feel alone. And I've felt that in, in my life, as I changed myself, as I grew and matured and made changes there was times where I felt like I wasn't as relatable to other people, um, whether it was morally or, or emotionally or whatever the case was, was, you know, it, it was harder for me to relate to certain people. And there's times where I felt alone and, and I experienced that in Tokyo too. And that's where it, was, it came really evident to me of like, okay, like you already have a support group. You already have friends. Like you, one of the things that like I had to realize was like, you don't need approval from other people. Like you have that, you have your team, you have your corner. Like if I'm a boxer, I have the people in my corner. I don't, I don't need anyone else. And when I started realizing that I became more confident in, and like walking alone per se, you know? And then when I was with the group, it was, it was much more enjoyable and I could be in my own zone. And, uh, that was something I had, I've had, I've experienced before Tokyo, but I was revisiting in Tokyo as well. And then, um, yeah, dude, like it was fun performing, but I like arousal was through the roof. Um, and so for me, I was like, I just want to have fun, uh, when I do this. And, uh, when I like got my name called to go out there, I, I like, I just was, I brought out my personality. So I like, I went out on the stage and I pretend like I didn't know, like if it was me or the other guy, like the other athlete, when they announce your name to walk out and you're behind the curtains essentially. And I walked out in front of like where the camera was. I was like, you, me, you, me. He's freaking out. He's like, you, you like pointing at me, like you go. I turn around and look at the other person. They're like, you, you. <laughs> all the, like all the uh, Japanese people were like, <laughs> like yelling at me. I'm like, Oh me. I'm like, Oh, okay. 
And then I look at the camera and I do like a little pose and stuff. And like, I pretend like I'm starting my leg like a lawnmower and like hop off like a pogo stick. And I was like, dude, that was, that was just me, man. Like I, I like, I made myself laugh. I made my friends laugh and I just had fun, you know? So it was cool for me to like step into that. And then when it came time to like jump, um, like I had a hard time mentally or like finding my, my, my flow. It was weird, dude. Like I had, I had been performing very, very great all year. And at there, like, at then, like when I, after I had my first jump, I was like, okay, I, I can do this from a short approach and I'm doing a long approach right now. Um, I'm like, what's going on? Like, so I was trying to figure it out and I struggled for a little bit. And then on my second jump, I actually ate it, bro. Like I ate shit in front of everybody in the sand and i was like i had to like just laugh it off back like, all right dude what happens when you fall off the horse get back on exactly I was, like, I was like all right dude this is gonna make it even better like and i just kept telling myself like i had what's that movie with um oh, the best game ever played or something like that with shia labeouf and um his name's francis he's a golfer he's a young kid i don't think i've Great. seen it I think it's greatest game ever played like Disney Channel movie. Great movie. But one of his, his caddy was a really young little kid. He kept telling him just one shot at a time, Francis, one shot at a time. And so for me, I was like, just one jump at a time, dude. Every time I went back to the bench, I was like, don't look at the scoreboard. Don't worry about the last jump. You know how to do this. Just one jump at a time. It only takes one jump, one jump at a time. And so then like I was still struggling, but I was starting to get better and better and better. But it was like very small increments. And then finally I, I jumped into third. I was like, all right, well, dude, at least like I'm, I'm in that seven meter marker area. Like that's, it's still like lower on my performance scale, but I'm like, all right, I'm in third. Like I'm here to medal. Like I may not hit a personal best jump today, but like the biggest thing is, but USA on that podium. And so then I started bringing it and I started getting back into my, into my zone and I started jumping further, but the last two were fouls. So I was like, dude, keep your head up. Yeah, it wasn't your best performance, but neither was it for the best guy as well. The guy that got gold, he didn't jump his best. He jumped his lower performance of the year as well. And, and so I was like, dude, you put USA up on that podium. Congratulations. Enjoy this moment. Celebrate it. You know that you need to work on mentally, like being able to execute here. So that's your homework for the next four years. Enjoy this, relax, eat some good food. And uh, yeah, then like go talk to your, I was like, go talk to your coach, figure out how you can improve, get ready for next year kind of thing. So that's what I learned from it. That's how I felt. Those were some of the emotions and that's how the competition went. And I haven't really shared that publicly, like with many people of like my performance wise, but um, you know, it's, it's one of those things like uh, every professional athlete, like even if you won a game, but you didn't perform well, like if you asked some of the best athletes in the world, they're going to say like, yeah, there was a lot left, like still out on the field, you know, like there was, there's more that, that I felt like I was capable of kind of thing. So, um, I'm not satisfied. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very hungry and, and my two goals for these next four years is, or until 2024 or yeah, 2024 is stay hungry and stay healthy. Those are my two things right there. And, um, I thought I did a really good job of that this year and I'm going to do a great job of that uh, next in the next uh, three years and 
I'm going to increase in mental performance because that's one of my goals. And, and that's how I'm going to be fighting for gold, dude. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to do, bro. I want to get out there and I want to, I want to throw some punches, man. I want to get out there and go back and forth. Yeah. I, I can already see, man, that you have a lot more in you. Um, I feel that energy and thank you for sharing that. I know it, it's probably, you know, a little vulnerable sharing, sharing that. Um, but it, it's like you said, in one of the videos that you watched, like when you get to the elite level, like you're not going to be able to perform your best every single day and every single time yeah. you go out there. But what's most important is that you just get back on the horse and keep trying again. So yeah. just, just a quick question. Um, with the uh like long jump how many attempts do you guys get so you get three to make finals and then they take like top eight or whatever um two finals and then you get three more so you have to you have it doesn't matter when you jump like your best um like within those six jumps in the paralympics and um so you got to make a count that's what i was like you just one jump at a time. Focus on this jump. Just this jump. This is the only jump that matters right now. The next one's not promised. The past don't matter. Exactly. It's only the jump right in front of you that's most important. So how how do you train your mind and and really establish like that mindset and the mindfulness? What does that look like for you? Do you have any practices? Yeah. So visualizing is has been something that's been really, really good for me. Uh, because it creates a lot of positive emotions and it allows me to feel the jump and perform the jump without any impact. So it's, it takes all the risk of injury away. And it's something that I have experienced when I've been injured and wasn't sure if I was going to be able to compete uh, that weekend. And like, I had to take, you know, like four days off because I had got injured right before the meet. And all I did was rest and visualize. And the day of the meet was like, okay, warm up. And just see how your body feels. No expectations, you know, just give yourself a chance to perform. And I had experience like going out there and hitting a personal best, like performing better than I've ever done in my life by just using, utilizing, like visualizing techniques. And so that can be as simple as just being still, closing my eyes and getting into a really slow heart rate, like through breath work or standing up and going through the motions like I would feel. So for me, that's something that I'll continue to do. Um, and the other uh, side is communicating with a sports psychologist as well. That's been very helpful. Um, talking to my coach, communicating about it. What does he see? Uh, what do they What do they both see in my body language? And then also understanding for me how to control my arousal uh, in those events. Um, I had read a book called Bud Winner in 2016 before the Rio Paralympic games. And when I was out there, I felt completely in my zone and I, I performed better than I had ever done previously. And so I was able to execute and find that flow state. And so for me, I struggled with it in Tokyo and it was also, you know, it's a little different with um, not having a full stadium and crowd, but for me, regardless, I don't care if it's just practice and practice. I can, I can make it happen. And so for me, there's no, there's no excuses with, with, uh, stadiums or or crowd or anything. I want to be able to tap into that on a, on demand. Um, so I'm going to go back and and read some books and, uh, work on that. Um, I also want to expose myself to my competitors more, whereas I didn't get to do that the past few years. Um, 
And I think that for me, getting to compete uh, amongst them, around them, and against them is going to be very advantageous because I'll be able to experience um, emotions, arousal, all those little things, and it's going to become more comfortable and something that I'm going to learn how to um, find my flow state, you know, in that environment. Yeah, I love that. Well, over the course of the next three years, man, let me know if you want to like tap into some like other mindset stuff and like nervous system regulation, because like highlining has taught me so much. And it's something that like I've picked up a lot of books and studied uh, because I like my long-term vision with the sport is to become a performer and, and go on tour with different electronic artists. And that requires being like a peak state performer. So I've just been studying all that like crazy the past few years dude that would be sick i'm i'm absolutely down i'm bro whenever you're ready to start i'm ready <laughs> like i would i would love to just you know see what uh I, you know i think that because you're an athlete as well um that's one of the best things that uh we can relate on um because you're you're going to experience the same struggle with like arousal and heart rate and then needing to lock in and focus on just maybe like one or two things or nothing at all. Like taking all the the clutter in your mind of all the things that you learned, like key wise or what you need to feel and just being like, dude, I need to feel this. Just feel everything. Don't force anything, feel it all. So mm-hmm. I would, I'm absolutely down. Cool. Yeah. Let's uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe we can have that conversation like next week, give this some time to marinate and simmer. So just like coming towards the close of this conversation on the podcast, I think the last question I really have for you is just like, what is a message that you would like to offer? Not necessarily just for people that are listening, but to those that are like really going through a difficult time right now and are are moving through some of their own obstacles and might not necessarily see the light at the end of the tunnel quite yet. What do you have to offer them? Well, for me and my experience, you know, this is, uh, they can, they can, you know, take this or leave it for what it is. Um, for me personally, I would, I would encourage them to, to pray. And if they know God or not, just to ask, just say, God, like, I don't, whether you know him or not, if you don't know him, just say, you know, I don't know you that well, but I need help. Like just putting that I need help out there and open. Um, I think it, it has a lot of uh, freeing abilities and then talking specifically out loud as if you were talking to God, whether you believe him or not, and asking for help. And then the other thing that I found for me was journaling. Journal what is what is going on in your life, like what you're feeling. How does it make you feel your emotions? Like what happened? Put it on paper so you get it out of here and on a paper. And oftentimes, once you like get it out of your mind and on a paper, uh, you're like subconscious mind starts to problem solve and figure it out. The other thing too, is if like, let's say a bunch of stuff happened, like whether it's financially um, or athletically, like injuries, whatever it is, you can start to create a list of like, how do I get better? Like, how do I overcome this? You just start brainstorming, you write it all down. And then you say, okay, cool. My goal is to be here. And then to do that, you start you have this like this list of stuff and you just say, okay, this is what I can do today. This is what I can do tomorrow. And you just knock down the list. If it's like a to-do list, you say, okay, cool. 
you knock that off. And once you start going through like a list of things that like either you need to get done and just get those out of the way, you feel so much better. You feel so much better, especially when you check it off. You're like, dude, I got so much done today. And you start building confidence when you start doing these little things. And like for injuries specifically, like when you're like, okay, like when I sprained my ankle, I was like, how do I get back as fast as possible? And how do I not lose any of my gains? I start. I kept lifting weights. I kept working out. But for my sprained ankle, what I did, I, I was doing rehab, band stuff all the time. And then once I was good on that, I started balancing on it. And I started getting better proprioception. And then even when I was injured, I couldn't put like any weight on my foot. I saw it as an advantage to start doing balancing on my prosthetic side. I'm like, dude, you know what? Like the more proprioception I get on my prosthetic side, the better I'm going to be able to jump. So I started looking at how do I gain from this and not lose from this? Because there's always something to be gained from any trial in your life, like whether it's financially, well, if you're going through a financial disaster right now, guess what? You're in the best school there is to learn about finances because you got to go through it. And experience is the best, best teacher. So I would encourage someone, put all the emotions out on paper, talk to God about it, and know that you can get through this, that nothing happens to you without God allowing it to happen to you. I believe that for a fact, it talks about it in the Bible, like in the story of Job, where Satan had to go ask for permission to torment Job from God before it happened. And in return, God blessed him double fold more than he could have ever dreamed for at the end. And Job grew in his relationship uh, with God and his understanding of who he was. And so I believe that anybody that's going through a hard, hard time right now, this is a character development time right now. This is just testing your character. Like, don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. It's okay to cry. Take your time. Cry. Journal everything out. Get your thoughts out of your mind. And then create the list and just get to work and get excited about doing it. And then look at your list every day. Like, what you got done. What did you do? Because that's going to fuel you. And that's going to make you happy and proud of yourself that day and give you energy for the next day. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Every obstacle is like an evolutionary experience and a blessing in disguise. It's just sometimes it takes having the purview of being out of the obstacle to realize what it was actually doing for you while you were in it. Man. And oftentimes if you have a, if you have a good friend or family member, someone that you trust and you can talk to someone's given you good advice in the past, talk to them about it, ask them what they think too. tell them what you think as well. Because what happens is sometimes when you're in the frame, you know, you need someone out of the frame looking in at the picture because you're in the picture. So it's harder to tell what's going on. So utilize your resources. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tapping into your support team uh, allows you to get out of the tunnel vision that you might be just like too narrowly focused on. Yeah, man. Well, yep. I guess my actual, actually, my last question is, have you ever slacklined before? Dude. Um, I have a slack line. I have one and I love it, dude. And I haven't done it in a long time. Cause I was like in between like different living areas. But for me, I felt like that was a great uh, area that I could grow in for proprioception, especially having a prosthetic. So I do like it. And I actually, yeah, it's something that I want to get better at my, and my buddy just like moved in with me too. He just tore his Achilles. So it's probably something that we'll both end up doing as part of his rehab program. Heck yeah. Get him like a, uh, like a PVC pipe or a walking yep. stick. And then yeah. he'll have just like another point of balance so that he can help stabilize that knee. I've helped another friend like 
rehab his knee he shattered like fucking everything in it and it just made a massive difference after he got surgery and started to get back into activities it does yeah i i'm a huge uh believer in like proprioception training and and i i think that can increase your power oftentimes a lot better um like sports specific than than weights like just in my experience and studies yeah Man, well, thank you so much, bro. I'm really glad we were able to have this conversation. You're fucking sick. And <laughs> I love your story, man. I'm excited to just continue to build this relationship to support each other in the years moving forward and to see you get gold in Paris. Dude, let's go, Cam. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> yeah, bro. You're so welcome. Much love. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll be in touch. All right, man. God bless. All the best. Peace. Peace. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the podcast with Trent and Merrill. I hope you gained as much as I did from it, if not a little bit more. If the Athletic Performance Accelerator interests you, shoot me a message on Instagram and enjoy the rest of your day. So much love.